should maybe do it. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast where we talk about stuff and things um, that have to do with religion. And, you know, how it makes you feel inside. Usually not good, but that's just a personal thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little dicky song, right? What, a personal thing? No, I think that's... I, I just know that he's called. got... It's like, it's just a personal thing. I, I, don't, I don't We're not here to talk about Lil Dicky and fact, his Lil Dick. Yeah, in fact, we're here to talk about religion. And, and particularly the story of Esther and VeggieTales. Yeah, we thought that we would switch things up given that the last couple of topics that we've discussed have been pretty hardcore. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, pretty heavy. <laughs> if you couldn't decipher that. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, so Veggie Tales. We're doing the episode called The Girl Who Became Queen. <laughs> as sugar gay as that sounds. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that's, that's a very um, subdued way to put the fact that like she was forced into a marriage and probably had to suffer marital rape as well, a virgin. It's also a, a kid's show. Yeah, but why put that story in a kid's show if it involves that? We will discuss this shortly. Ha ha. There you go. Um, so I guess we're going to give... We're not going to give an overview of Esther. You probably know the story. And it's a classic. It's a classic. It's usually taught to children when they're young and they're in Sunday school or yeah. Bible school. And, you know, it's almost talked to like one of those like pass around the tissues story where it's uh -huh. like, let's talk about like the amazing story of this girl who had so much courage to She's save She's like one of people. the like three women in the Bible that are actually have a story but it still is very much tied into the story of the men involved. So that's cool. I feel like they emphasize it a lot in like Sunday school and stuff because they're like trying to be a little bit more progressive and stuff. And also just because it's like a good story about courage, if you look at it from that perspective. But yeah, I, I, think that, I feel like, like it just normalizes things that shouldn't be normalized. All right, so let's crack into it. Let's crack into it. Okay, so... Let's start with the very beginning yeah, so we... of the VeggieTales episode, which starts with a sexual innuendo. Yay, all the things that kids love, <laughs> but the parents love more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. So basically, like, the beginning scene of this VeggieTales episode, we cut to, like, a beautiful palace, and inside we see... Hey, Heyman knocking on the door and this like queen cucumber. Heyman is a v extremely Italian potato, by the way, like, or squash. I think he's a squash. Yeah. He's like the yellow squash one that's got the mustache that always kind of like has some type of weird accent. <laughs> we could, we literally could not decipher what his accent was. I just know that the peas are French. The peas are French. And I think, I think Heyman is or whoever that character is, is supposed to be Italian, but just because they have him dressed up as, like, a straight-up mafia man. Yeah, because he's got, like, a gold and tooth and, like, a hat. And that little mustache. This is, like, the typical squash that they usually get to play the bad guy in the VeggieTales episode. <laughs> yeah, why? what's that about? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like they choose, like, the most, um, like, scary-looking vegetables. I mean, squash... I don't find squash that scary. I mean, like, they're yellow and bright. That sounds kind of nice. I guess. I mean, I think all of VeggieTales is a little bit horrifying just because none of them have hands. Yeah. So you just see, like, a bunch of floating objects anytime <laughs> that they just, like, try to do anything. And they have to, like, hop around to get places. Oh, my God. And it's just, like, not very, like, great to look at. Yeah, it's kind of painful. <laughs> Just as painful as all of the songs that oh happen in Veggie Tales, which I know that the children love, but I don't understand why Esther has to sing a song every time she prays. You know, well, tell I, me why. <laughs> I feel like that kind of makes sense given that like prayers came from songs. Yeah. Like the entire like book of Psalms. 
okay. like, or songs and such. So fair enough. I and feel like if I feel kids like they're like musicals. Yeah, I feel like they're trying to, you know, give the kids something. Yeah. That they all want. Yeah. So the first scene is Heyman showing up at um The Queen- Butternut Squash. <laughs> And Queen Vashti's doorstep. Except she's not named in this veggie tale. She's episode. not named, even though she does have a name. And it's Vashti. It's Vashti. And she's pretty cool. Um, because she stands up for herself, which ends up in her um banishment from the kingdom. But in the Veggie Tales version, it um <laughs> it starts out with a Heyman knocking on her door at 3 a.m. and saying, The king wants you to make him a sandwich. Yep, the king wants you to make him a sandwich at 3 a.m. What do you think that could mean? Hmm. Hmm. Insert crickets. Yep. So in the actual story of Esther, like they have a big banquet for like seven days. And then King Xerxes, like... Who is the king of this story? He, he is the king of the story. But I don't think he's ever... Men- his name is ever mentioned and yeah. I feel like Xerxes is just hard for kids to say <laughs> so they just call him the king yeah. um, but he requests for Vashti to be brought before him and like his, all of his pals all, all of his like just dude bro friends and you know they're all drinking and it doesn't say directly in the translation that like he is requesting for her to be naked in front of them, but but that's... it basically does because it says that he wants her brought to him because she's beautiful and fine to look at. Yeah, nice to look at. And nobody's as good as looking with all them clothes on, right? <laughs> Am I right? Oh god! So she refuses, and she is um, punished and kicked out of the kingdom. And that's really all you see in the Veggie Tales version. But in the real story, she is um not she's kicked out because also the king's advisors are like if she can get away with this then all the other wives can get away with it what else with will those pesky women be able to get away with will they finally stand up to their husbands and say you should stop beating me i don't know maybe chaos stop having sex with me when i don't want it yeah just like in the middle of the night You should stop making me do everything that I don't want to do. Yeah. You should Mm. stop imprisoning me here. Yeah. So moral of the story here is if you refuse to um, do what your husband says, you will be kicked out. So that's what we're starting with. That's where we're launching off into this this, Veggie Tales episode. Yeah, that's how it starts. Mm -hmm. That's just like the first like five minutes. Yeah. Of like a 30 minute kids show. Yep. Not counting Silly Songs with Larry. <laughs> silly Songs with Larry. A classic. Yeah. Um, so what happens after that? Well, basically, so they have to be start looking for like a new king. Or mm. sorry, a new queen. Because uh, now uh, Queen King Xerxes is like, well, I don't have anything to put my dick in now. Yeah. So he's like, so he sends Haman oh, out. Oh, no, he has a harem. Well, I'm sure he has but a harem, he, but he, he doesn't have like, a special lady to put his dick in. Correct. Uh-huh. So, so <laughs> they have to go find um, a beautiful virgin for him to stick his dick in. Classic. Mm-hmm. God. So basically, Haman's entrusted with this, you know, with this task of finding women. <laughs> <laughs> so in the Veggie Tales version, you know, he's riding on a car that's like pushed by the French peas. <laughs> Yeah, what's that about? Why does it have to be on these bouncing peas? I don't know. I feel like they just have to... I think they just have to make it look like Haman's just really, like, a bad guy. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like... So they enslave the peas. Yeah. To do so. I mean, yeah. It's kind of like Les Mis. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) I was just insinuating the fact that they were French and had to do slave work, but... Oui, oui, baguette. (laughs) Yep. Um, so, yeah, so they're looking for a... They're looking for a hot virgin. Yeah. But in the VeggieTales version, they like to gloss over this fact that she has to be, like, beautiful and stuff because they're like, uh, let's make it a little bit more, less, less, like, 
demeaning for women in general. Well, I don't know. Make it a talent show. Right. Well, I don't think that they completely gloss over that because the way that Esther gets picked in the VeggieTales story is because uh, she sings the most beautiful song at this talent show. Yeah. Um, So I think that's the only talent that you can have. Yeah. That's worth a shit. Yeah. Um, In the story. You mean being beautiful. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that's basically what that, that represents. It's, you know, because, yeah. like, for, for, like, the biblical story, it's just which one was hottest. And in the VeggieTales version, it's which one had the best singing talent, <laughs> which was obviously Esther. I do like. she was hot shit. Yeah. I do like the um, the lady who sings. I think she's an asparagus and she sings about puppies. Oh, yes. With the, she, with the accordion. She with an accordion, and she has that little eye twitch at the end, and then she goes, rough. Oh, God. Into the microphone. Now, let me tell you, if you want to view this in all of its glory. It's on I, YouTube. It's on YouTube. There's Whole like thing. three different versions. You can even get the one that includes the silly songs with Larry. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, we watched the version that has, like, all of the commercials that you watch on the VHS, like, right before. Dude, those commercials were buried very deep inside of my brain, especially the one with the penguins. I don't even know. I don't even know what the show is called. I just remember the penguins. It's like action penguins or something. Yeah. It's like some penguin that's like a superhero that wears, like, a red suit. (laughs) Yeah. Solid stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Esther is picked to be Xerxes' new queen. According to that talent show. Yeah, (laughs) according to the talent show. She also sings a song about about her people, like, winning a war, essentially, because of God's, um, because they trusted in God. And just for context, her people are Jews. Yes. I mean... Which I guess, like, if we're, I guess if the if we're whole just, Bible is kind of about the Jews. Yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. if we're if we're considering them God's people, because like yeah. the Hebrews, and then. But just so everybody is on the same page, they're Jews. They're Jews. But yeah. So anyway, after uh, Esther gets chosen by King Xerxes uh, via the talent show, um, she gets taken back to the room and crowned queen, and then her cousin Mordecai comes and visits her. And although this isn't really explained in the VeggieTales story, Mordecai is basically her her father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, she is Jewish, and they're well, not just she; like they're all Jewish, mm-hmm. and they're being oppressed by King Xerxes, which you know we'll find out later. And if you know the story, you already know that that's coming. But I'm just gonna go ahead and give that little caveat in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mordecai comes and visits her. And the part that I think really gets Raquel every time is that she's si- sitting up on this uh, on, <laughs> in her like little room. And it's funny because like every time that we see Esther in the VeggieTales story in the castle, she's always like alone in her room. And it's really depressing. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like literally like watching Room with a... What's the lady that plays Captain Marvel? You know, I've never seen that. It's a good movie. Hmm. I recommend it. It's sad, but it's good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, so he comes and visits her, and she's basically like, why am I here? Oh, yeah. She's like, why is this happening? Why am I here? Asking really the only reasonable questions in the story, and Mordecai's just like, God works in mysterious ways. You're here for a reason. Just wait it out. But, I mean, in the VeggieTales story, you don't see that she's probably being raped. Yeah, I mean, she has been basically just, like, auctioned off to this person that she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And that she doesn't really, you know, see. Separated from her entire family. Yeah, and she doesn't... She was already an orphan to begin with. You know, apart, yeah, apart from Mordecai, her cousin, who's her caretaker. But I mean, given like how the monarchy works, especially during this time, it's like she's basically sold off to this king who she doesn't know just based on her looks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess how well, you know, she makes his dick feel. And then, and then she's kind of just like locked away and she's not allowed to see him or interact with him. And so it's kind of like a slap in the face to have Mordecai just, like, tell her, like, it's God's plan. Yeah. And she also can't, like, really see her family or interact with them either because, like, Mordecai has to visit her. I don't know if it's really in secret, but he just has to come, like, 
he 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 stops by like once a day. He has to, to see pull her, a but Romeo. She, she can't like leave. Yeah, she has to stay there and go through a year of beauty treatments <laughs> before she is, you know, blessed with the presence of King Xerxes penis yeah whatever that means yeah um yeah and then she sings a raquel's favorite song god tell me why (laughs) Um, which is basically her praying to god about why she's been subjugated to this mess i don't understand it gives me like a lot of flashbacks to the whole um joseph story after his brothers sell him into slavery and he's Mm. like god why are you like forsaking me kind of shit same Mm -hmm. thing that jesus does yeah later um which, like, I know that, Raquel, you feel that that's a little bit, you know, fucked up. But I, I don't, I, I'm not going to go as far as saying that I think that it's, you know, 100% um, wrong for it to be portrayed in this way. Just because I think that there is something to the idea of suffering for your God. I guess. Well, I mean, we we suffer in different ways. But I think, like, the big Christian thing is that you suffer the same way that Christ suffered for you mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um And it's like the whole aspect of um, life not being, you know, nobody ever said that you weren't going to suffer. I mean, I get it. And I totally understand. And like, everybody goes through like very hard things in life. There's no doubt about it. But it's just, I see it kind of perpetuated in this way of like, oh, well, guess I can't really change my circumstances because it's God's plan and I should just accept these shitty things that are happening to me because it's God's plan, God's plan, and we're going to normalize marital rape and just general subjugation of women and all of these things because it's God's plan. And that's just, that's not a good enough reason for me personally. Right. Well, I don't, I don't think that the whole God's plan is a good reason, but I think that I mean, I think that that's just kind of like what people tell themselves in shitty situations is so so that things don't look as bleak. Yeah. And I mean, I mean it's also- I do feel like everything happens for a reason. I just find it cruel to be putting it in this light of like this person or entity could help you, but they're choosing not to in this situation. Yeah. And, and that to me is also the shitty situation about, you know, the whole thing. But- I think that, you know, these people, I guess, like, I guess they're kind of just used to suffering, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a woman. Yeah. You know, whether you classify that in that time as suffering or not, or probably just the norm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think the real suffering for them would be like if, you know, they were wrongfully murdered or like if they were starving or if their children died or whatever. But given that these people have suffered for so long... Like, they, they're kind of looking to God to provide those answers, whether he provides them in physical form or not. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just like a way to keep their hopes up, which I think is perfectly respectable. I just think that it's, I think it's a period piece. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk more about that when mm-hmm. we finish the story, because um, that is like one of my personal big issues with the with the story and how it's talked about. And preached about in like the church of today, especially mm-hmm. to kids. But yeah, so she's she ain't too happy. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and uh, I was just looking down at my notes about the Veggie Tales version, and it goes back to the same sexual innuendo thing. It it repeats it later on because um, King Xerxes he's kind of like painted out to be this like kind of dumb guy you know just like that like dumb king character who's just like oh well like i just kind of sit back and enjoy like the riches that are coming to me and everything which whatever i don't know right well i think that that's like kind of a typical like king yeah yeah yeah. but he's also talking to Haman, and the in xerxes is like do you think that the the queen will like me do you think like like all of this stuff. And then Haman says, any girl in the kingdom would be happy to make you a sandwich. Ouch. Yeah. Again, like, I think that that's, I, I, I think that I would feel much better about that statement if it was just like in the Bible versus like in the modern Veggie Tales version. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a lot of shit that happens in the Bible that doesn't happen in the VeggieTales version. I don't know why you had to... Like, could she, could she not have been doing something else? Or, like, not have refused something else? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But that's just me. All right, so what happens next? Oh, there's the conspiracy to kill King Xerxes. Um, and that <laughs> happens with the French, French peas, peas and the cake. Okay, I kind of really fuck with those peas, though. They're really cute, and they have, like, this, like, really crazy, like, French accent, but it's, like, really high. Wee wee, baguette! <laughs> Pretty much. And, uh, they conspire to kill the king, or in the VeggieTales version, to drop a piano on his head. Um, by luring him <laughs> with a giant cake. And then Mordecai finds out about it and tells Esther. And then Esther is like, no. And that's that's essentially what happens in the story. Like, there are two people who are wanting to kill King Xerxes, and they uncover the plot. And so, like, Mordecai is, like, given credit for that. Right. And this makes Haman mad because... Previously, Mordecai tells Haman that he doesn't bow to anyone who's A, either not the king, or B, not God. Mm -hmm. um, so Haman's I already- I find that noble. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I think, um, so So Haman's already kind of got a vendetta out for Mordecai. Mm -hmm. um, and this is like before anybody knows that, you know, Mordecai and Esther are actually family. Mm -hmm. um, so basically like when- um, Esther tells the king in the VeggieTales story that these people, these French peas are plotting to kill him. <laughs> um, she vouches for Mordecai and tells the king that, no, it wasn't her. It was uh, Mordecai that really saved him. And so this just makes the whole vendetta and reward for Mordecai makes Haman feel even worse about himself. Yeah. And like the fact that, you know, Mordecai is getting praise from, you know, the king the person that Haman idolizes. Mm -hmm. And so then that's when uh, we see that uh, Haman really puts a, puts like a big uh, X on Mordecai's back mm -hmm. and plans to banish him. Um, and in the VeggieTales version, they banish them to the island of perpetual tickling and basically a, <laughs> a grim, grim reaper, reaper comes out comes out with a giant feather and chases them out of the room when in reality what happens in the bible story is that they are impaled on like 60 foot poles or something i may have the number yeah, wrong it's like but some it's Vlad quite the large impaler shit. yeah yeah i'm not yeah i'm not down with that no me either yeah I'm glad they, they made it the island of perpetual tickling. That's a lot easier to stomach. Yeah. But... Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I think it's funny how, like, when you go to church, like, they always talk, or at least Christian church, and they talk about how much Jesus suffered being mm -hmm. crucified. And I'm not saying that, like, being crucified isn't painful, but I don't also, know, the pole like, sounds worse. There's plenty of things. Yeah. That are worse than being crucified. Like, mm -hmm. especially if we're talking about, like, biblical and or Roman and pre-Roman torture. Yeah. It's also subjective, too. I mean, like, pick your poison. Yeah. Like, if I, I had guess. if I had to have, like, the pick of being crucified versus, like, having, like, a pole strung Shoved up through my ass. Butthole. Through my mouth and my entire body. I think that I would pick the crucifixion. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's basically uh, what Haman has in store for Mor Mordecai. Mm -hmm. Sets and up a pole and everything. Yeah. Or with uh, his name on it. Or just the feather. <laughs> Mordecai gets a special feather. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. So basically what ends up happening is because Esther has been put in this, I don't even want to say a place of power because she really hasn't. It's the only power that you can have as a woman in that time. So I guess it counts for something. Yeah. So Mordecai comes to her and he's like, you have to help me and our people. Mm -hmm. um, because Haman's not just planning to do this to him. He's actually planning to do this to all of the Jews. Mm -hmm. He's got like... Because one guy made him upset. And so he's like, kill them all. Yeah. 
Also, I think that this just kind of goes along with, like, the general, like, anti-Semitism that we see. Yeah. Either, like, within the Bible or just, you know, even up to today. Yeah. There's still, like, a lot of anti-Semitic problems going on in the world. Yep. Um, yeah, so, uh... Here we have like a great story about that. We go from uh, the Hebrews being enslaved in Egypt to uh, this shit. History truly repeats itself. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Because I mean like the Holocaust. Yeah, that was a thing that happened. Yeah, Haman is basically like the early form of Hitler. Mm, I don't know. I think that they have like similar tropes. Yeah. In like I don't the, know if he has... Well, he does have a lot of political power, but... I mean, I would say that Haman has more political power than the king just because he has the king's ear. Yeah, probably. And, like, as a right-hand man to the king, I think that that means that you... Like, generally, I think, like, you know, because being becoming king is just based on your blood, not necessarily how much you know. Yeah, he's so, kind of just a figurehead for the advisors. Yeah, and so usually, like, especially, like, in uh, the medieval and post-medieval era, like, you know, the right-hand man to the king was usually, like, a priest or a pope, some type of godly figure mm-hmm. um, to give, to, like, help lead them in the direction of, like, the church you know, which was, you know, conjoined with the state at that mm-hmm. time. Um, so it's it's similar with here. Like, that person usually holds all the cards and is really, like, advising the king on what to do, which, in, in my view, means that they really have all the power that they need because trust is power. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so Haman, like, he basically tricks King Xer- Xerxes into, like, making this decree to kill all of the Jews. Um, and then Haman comes in while, um, King Xerxes is having his, like, so King Xerxes has, like, a list of his day-to-day activities, and, like, somebody, like, refreshes him on it, like, at 12 p.m., you took a shit, (laughs) and then at, like, 12.30, you did such and such and made this decree or something, but then they're going through the list, and at some point, they're like, Oh yeah, at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, there was a plot to kill you, and Mordecai stopped it. And um, he he asks if something good, like if he was rewarded for his um, his help, good deed, his good deed in that situation. And he asks Haman, who doesn't know that it's Mor- Mordecai at this point. He asks Haman what should be done for this like really great man, and he thinks that he's talking about him because he's just. A piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, we should throw him a parade. Yeah, he's like, throw him a parade and like let him wear like your crown and robes and like storm him through the streets, declaring how great he is. And then he's like, the king is like, okay, cool, do all of that for Mordecai. So Haman really has it out for Mordecai at this point. Yeah, because because Mordecai's basically gotten like everything that Haman wants, and yeah. Mordecai is generally like pretty good guy yeah he's a good guy like i think that he's i think that he's really trying to look out for esther but Mm -hmm. like i think that you know for the time period he's doing all he like really can for a woman yeah especially like given that if she didn't go along with like the king she would have been killed Mm -hmm. or banished to eternal tickling land (laughs) god um yeah but yeah so now Haman really has it out for mordecai Mm mm-hmm Yeah, so he has it out for Mordecai, and at this point, Esther has been informed of the decree to um, kill her people, and so she's not very happy about that, Um, and... But she's also like, what the fuck can I do about this? Yes, and this is where she kind of comes in and does things, Um, (laughs) as much as you can do as a woman at that point. Um, So... Basically, if you go to see the king unannounced, you could be killed. And she decides that this is a very important thing. So she is, I mean, she has to wait a year to have her, quote, turn to see him (laughs) in the story. Yeah, but she doesn't do that because she just goes in unannounced. She goes in unannounced. Which, you know, for for given, like, the situation is very dangerous. It is very dangerous. Um, And it's very courageous of her to go in and do that. Yeah. Um, So she goes in unannounced to make this request and um king xerxes like he's he's really pleased his dick is really pleased with her um so he's like here here's my golden scepter touch it like i accept you yeah (laughs) which is kind of just a funny ritualistic thing (laughs) 
here, touch my scepter. I think it's like an innuendo. It does sound like an innuendo, you know? It's like the sandwich making. <laughs> but that's not, it's not just a VeggieTales thing. It's in the actual. Yeah, that's actually. It's the actual the story. Um, so she touches the scepter and then she asks him and Haman to come to a banquet that she's throwing. She's throwing a party for them. Because she just really loves being there. No, uh, it's, it's actually because she just gets scared to ask him, like, the real reason. Well, that's, like, the editorial and, like, the veggie tales, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the reason is. I would have been pretty fucking scared. I would have yeah. probably want more time to, you know, warm him up. Yeah, that's fair. Sit on his dick a little. <laughs> God. Hey, I mean, what a man wouldn't do for a warm dick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, so she invites him to a banquet and then they go and he's like, whatever, like, she, she must have been doing something special because he was like, whatever you want, it's yours. He's, she's given him that Samsung <laughs> spin cycle sloppy toppy. <laughs> Brenna, where did you get that? Brenna has been calling, like, giving head the Samsung spin cycle sloppy toppy for like months now. No, no, it's been years. It's been years. Yeah, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Oh, Thank honey. God. That's a that's a that's a good old uh, comment from good old Noel and Cody Co. Oh. from That's Cringe on YouTube. I highly recommend it. It's a good time. That makes sense. Yeah, we love Cody Co. I do love shout good. out. I love Cody Co. and Noel. Mm-hmm. Like those are the best ones. Yes, like those are hundred percent the yes. best ones. They have a really good bromance going on. They really do. I mm-hmm. want them to make out, <laughs> but they all have like girlfriends. Oh, right. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so she was giving him that Samsung God. spin cycle sloppy toppy. I was trying to get back to the story, but I realized we had to go through that for like I I couldn't remember what was happening without stopping there again. So it happened. We're moving on. Um, yeah. And so he's like, whatever you want, it's yours. And she's like, hey, do you want to come to another dinner? <laughs> Which in the VeggieTales version, like, is like fast food cups and pizza. <laughs> Pretty solid. I mean, if you're a kid, that is the ideal feast. That's like. It, if it's pizza night, that's the best. Oh, yeah, because, like, I wasn't really allowed to eat that shit as a kid. Mm-hmm. So, like, when we got it, it was like, hell, yeah. <laughs> and so, happens again. I think uh, Mordecai refuses to bow to Haman again. And so, he's just, like, slowly stoking this anger in Haman. Yeah, like, the flames of anger and mm-hmm. revenge are coming straight yeah. from Mordecai's and, ass. And this is the point where Haman sets up a specific poll, like, at the request of his family. And so they go to this banquet, and then finally, Xerxes is like, whatever you want, it's yours. And Esther says, hey, please don't kill all of my people. Yeah. Which is a pretty solid request. And she's like, because she, this is like when she finally like comes clean and tells, you know, him like, I'm a Jew. Like this mm-hmm. decree is going to hurt me just as much as she's it's going to She's coming out as Jewish. Yeah. Solid. So she tells him that she is Jewish and that she'd really prefer for her people to not be killed. And he's like, what? How did this happen? And she's like, well, your bitch over there, Haman, is a piece of shit so like take care of him yeah he's plotting against my cousin Mm -hmm. who you know he's also just finding out that mordecai is her cousin Mm -hmm. for the first time now yeah and also the guy who saved his life so yeah so now he's even more inclined to you know give her what she wants and he's more like and he's also like well i just gave this guy a parade why would i kill him (laughs) that's actually exactly how he sounds (laughs) yeah he's like that (laughs) big fucking pickle (laughs) god uh, i love that he's a pickle why does the pickle play the king the ki- the pickle guy always plays the king yeah i don't know I don't it's know. just a thing um yeah so then Haman is um banished and like in his like groveling he like comes up to esther and is like at her feet but oh and like, i feel like we should also say like the part where Haman's banished to the eternal land of tickling, that's mm-hmm. where the Veggie Tales story stops. 
Is that where it stops? Yeah, that's where it stops. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a bit more after that that make that gets very interesting. So Haman grovels at Esther's feet and King Xerxes, he's already upset with him, and now he sees this and he's like, Why are you molesting my wife? And then he sentences Haman to death on Mordecai's pole. Yeah, he's like, only I'm allowed to molest my wife. Oh, God. <laughs> She's my property. You get off of my property right now. God. Jesus Christ. Haman's like a dog that was trying to take a piss on his property. <laughs> and he's like, uh-uh. Christ. <laughs> Not yet, I said. Yep. So that happens. And then afterwards, you know, like, Esther and Mordecai are given, like, a special place in the kingdom because of their bravery and um, because, I don't know, they just, they stood up for this, like, noble thing. They persevered. And also, like, King Xerxes got the hots for Esther. He does. She's his favorite. She gave him that Samsung spin cycle sloppy toppy. Hey, like, what wouldn't a man do for a Samsung spin cycle sloppy toppy? You tell me. I don't know. It's kind of like a like a Klondike bar. Anyways, so the part that they don't tell you in Veggie Tales is that because it's not G rated. Yeah, it's not G rated in the slightest, and also like paints. I guess God's chosen people is like not that great, um, because like they issue the decree to like not kill everybody, which is good, very good, or not kill the Jews. Yeah, 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 and. But then King Xerxes is like, just write whatever you want into the law now because, you know, I like you and you can just, you can just do that. And so they basically like, they basically say like, okay, it's okay for you to kill all of your enemies now. And then um, the Jewish people enact war on all of their enemies, quote, quote, whoever hates them, and they kill at least 75,000 people. And all of the 10 sons of Haman, which, I don't know, they didn't they didn't do anything. Yeah, but that's also like a biblical thing. I know, but like, it's, think about it's like not right. Like shit. marital rape is also a biblical thing, but it's not right. It's not right to kill 10 dudes who were like related to this guy yeah and not involved in the slightest it's it's exactly the same thing that they were fighting against they were like oh we're all related to this guy and they're he's mad so they're gonna come kill us but revenge runs deep in the bible it does like they say they say how god is vengeful and i don't really feel like that's a great trait no for a god to have it's not because they also have, like, the thing about God being merciful, and I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. So they go do that, and then they celebrate their victories, and that is the um, new holiday, I believe, of Purim. And then the last chapter is literally called The Greatness of Mordecai, because he, quote, um, worked for the goal of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews, which is great, but the story is about Esther, <laughs> like in her bravery, essentially, like she does the thing. And I don't know. I mean, like, I agree that Mordecai's like a, a noble guy and he does, a lot of, he, he, do, he does a lot of good work, but it seems unnecessary to book into this story by like, by the way, he's the real hero here. Well, that's because he's a man. Exactly. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. Like, I mean, because, like, in the world's But they also take that out of the VeggieTales episode. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, historically, like, Esther kind of had all that could really be expected for her to have. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean... She should should be happy. Yeah. I wonder why she's not. Hmm. No. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder why women deserve rights. (laughs) What a, know, what a concept. Yeah, I mean, you know. Is that a question mark, Bruno? <laughs> no. <laughs> God. Yeah. So what a that's classic. Esther. I I personally, my bone to pick with the Veggie Tales, I think 
it's fine and it's a good story about courage and, and doing what's right and doing what's right in the face of adversity in the face of adversity but i just i just have issue with like this habit of really watering down these stories because like the kids who grow up hearing the story think that it's this noble thing. Right. And it take it takes out all of the negative aspects of it, which is fine for kids. But if you don't follow it up later by like, hey, here's the real things that happened in there, then it creates like adults essentially who don't even really know the story but still continue to teach it. Right. Well, for instance, when I was taught this story, like I don't really think that it was I mean, as a kid, like I'm sure that there were like sections that weren't, you know, told. Um, Because it's not really kid-friendly. But even as, like, an adult, I don't feel like this story was all that Mm sugar-coated. It was just more so, like, accepted because that's just how it was. Mm -hmm. But my main issue with not only, you know, this, you know, story in particular, but with a lot of biblical stories is that the Bible isn't looked as a Mm timepiece, especially to a lot of, like, fundamentalist kind of Christians that, you know, I kind of view – you know, my Christian family as being, and by that I just mean, like, they don't really believe that, they believe that, like, God's word is 100%, Mm -hmm. that there's no, like, taking away or, you know, even really, like, I guess modernizing some of it because God's word Mm -hmm. is, you know, eternal. And they believe that the Bible is God-breathed, which I think I mentioned in last week's episode. Mm -hmm. Um And so that's my main issue is that this isn't taught from a, this is what they used to do and that's not right to, it's just, you know, the way it is. And, and it's not taught like that. It's, it's just, Mm -hmm. that's the way it was. And because it's the Bible, that's just the way it should still be kind of thing. And to me, that's like how it's also represented, like in my church, you know, women, most of the women wore head coverings. Jeez. To show submission to men, which, like, if you want to do that, okay. But also, I thought that that was, you know, wild, mm-hmm. even as, like, a kid. Um, and also, you know, women not really being able to do except participate as a bystander in the service, but not actually, you know, lead anything, be a part of anything, except, you know, nurturing. Have a voice. Yeah, except when you're nurturing the children. Yeah. So, like, most of these stories were taught to me when I was a kid by women. Mm-hmm. Um who are advocating for like this like subjugation of women and uh it just it makes me feel so icky. Oh yeah, <laughs> no. It, it also makes me feel icky too because like I remember the day that like my mom asked me if I wanted to wear a head covering in church. Yeah. And I was kind of like And I get it. I get it in the sense that it's like you think you think that that is the life that will give you the most happiness, but that is just not the case for a lot of women and we just need to we just need to accept that and not be so goddamn like uh, ornery about it when like a woman just decides to do something different right with her life. i mean like if you want to be submissive to your husband like okay but also i feel like this whole ideal has been thrust upon women that never had a choice mm-hmm. and that's where that comes from yeah, and there's because so much that was that's just... internalized, and you put on yourself, too. Right, because I mean, like, every human being wants to feel liberated. Mm-hmm. And so to have, like, especially, you know, if your husband or the male figure in your life is abusive or really, like, abuses that power that he has over you because it's part of, you know, your life and your religion and just your general outlook on life and the way that things should be, I mean, that's also not okay. <laughs> yeah. And, like, we, I think we forget sometimes that all of that was, like, basically legal up until very recently. Like, until around the same time that women could vote. Like, I mean, I think they only just recently, like, overturned some laws that, like, justify marital rape. Because they just kind of forgot about them and they're like, oh, whatever. And... Like, I'm, until the 70s, you had to um, have your husband's... If you wanted to open up a banking account or, like, a credit card or something, you had to have your husband sign off on it. Yeah. Same with Which, uh, same with if you wanted birth control. You had to prove yeah. that you were married. That's so fucking dumb. Yeah. But, I mean, like, also, like, 
that was just part of the time. And I'm not like Mm -hmm. excusing that behavior, but also like there's nothing that we can do about that now. That's just the way that it was. And so like like the whole frame it because we, we sometimes like have this idea that like, oh yeah. And we, we have come so far in advocating for women to be able to give women the life that, you know, like we want and deserve, but we, we just forget a lot of times that a lot of that has happened in in the lifetimes of people who are still alive today. Right. And that's why it's important that if you're going to teach this story to mm. modern day children, that you make it a point to say, this is what happened to her. And most of the time when we tell this story, we look at her for being cur- courageous in the fact that she stood up in the fact that she went to see the king unannounced. But like, you know, the other aspects of the courage was the things that were normalized during her time. And even Mm -hmm. like for people our parents' age, like the rape and like the having no choice and just being married off and basically being someone's sex slave just Mm -hmm. because of your looks and blah, blah, blah. But so if you're going to continue teaching this to modern day children and even just like reteaching yourself, like what this story stands for, like it needs to be pointed out this is what she went through, and that was probably even more traumatic than the idea that she might just die by going mm-hmm. to see a king. Yeah. Like at that point, what else do you have to what do you, what, what do you have to lose? I mean, nothing. Exactly. You 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 already lost your family. You already like lost your autonomy and your freedom. You can't go outside of the gate. Like you can't do anything that you did before. You lost any chance at a normal life because this dude wanted to put his dick in you. And that is the part that's not talked about when it's like, I mean, obviously we're not going to teach it to children, but also it's like, should you be teaching the story in general to children if you can't follow it up with, hey, here of the here are the parts that are also wrong because like if we're going to talk about the story and we're going to talk about Esther's courage and her bravery and everything it also needs to be framed with the struggles that we she went through and I just don't think a lot of people are framing it that way because they are glossing over that pinpoint or even sometimes they're saying oh like she was so lucky to be a queen or something right because it's just, it's not being understood of, like, the trauma that this girl would have gone through to be in that position. Right. It's almost like it, the story shouldn't be told if they're not going to tell the whole truth. Exactly. Of the story. And I yeah. agree with that. Like, I think that this is a great story to talk about, you know, courage, but not just courage from, like, saving your family, mm-hmm. but, like, the courage of just being a woman yeah. during that time period. And I think if we took... A lot of, like, biblical stories, especially, like, concerning, like, Old Testament laws Mm -hmm. about women being stoned and periods and shit like that. Like, I think that we should kind of, like, memorialize some of that and be like, uh, let's let's wave a white flag for all these women. Yeah, here's the way that I see it. It's, like, with other stories, like, it, it would not be a question in my mind you don't want to tell the story of like, I don't know, the Wolf of Wall Street to some six-year-olds in a Sunday school class because, I mean, you could say like, I don't know the, I don't know the plot of Wolf of Wall Street. He like makes a lot of money and parties a lot. That would be, that would be the gist of it. But you also don't want to tell it to children because it involves cocaine and sex and prostitutes and all of these things. And it's like, you, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't separate it from that story. And you wouldn't, you especially wouldn't be like, oh, let's focus on like the good parts of the story because like, he's a smart guy, I right, guess. Right. And, and that, that's why this story is told because it's literally just, it, it's got the stamp of approval from God. Yeah. And that's why people tell this story. The, the only reason that it's being made to be okay is because it's a Bible story. But we we forget the fact that it is also a story. And there's some stories that you don't want to tell to children because you don't want to have to gloss over the truth of them. Right. And I, that's why I think it's important that not only do we look at the Bible as a timepiece, which, you know, in fact, not a lot of Christians do, but yep. also that, you know, we we explain these concepts to people. And if we're going to continue living... If we're going to continue, if we're going to be modern people and believe in God's word or whatever, if that's mm-hmm. what you want to do, that's not really what I want to do. But if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Then you also need to like 
I think that you should also make it clear that like these are things that happened in the past and we don't stand for these things anymore because they're wrong. Yeah. And also like, like stand for that as much as you're going to stand for Esther's courage, stand for the fact that women should not go through marital rape, stand for the fact that women should not go through rape at all, just as much as you advocate for the courage that these women also implemented. Yeah. And also just generally that there's things in the Bible, not just things that are written in the Bible as being evil, but just things that are written in the Bible as being permissible or Mm -hmm. good even that are wrong. Yeah. Because, because when the Bible was written, it was written as like, these things were normalized, you know? Yeah. Just because it's normalized doesn't mean that it's right. Exactly. And so if we're going to look at these stories and try to glean any sort of wisdom from them, we also have to separate the unwise parts that exist there only because it was written in a different time. And I think that's why we have so many of the problems that we do in the church to this day, because we are having trouble separating the not so great parts from the great parts because we're accepting the whole thing as God's truth. Right. And because a lot of our laws come from morals, which come from religion, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, like if we don't, you know, make this distinction that things in the Bible weren't always right, mm-hmm. even if they were, you know, written off as being good or justified for whatever reason, that's not okay. And we yeah. need to change our thought process and agenda with those if we're going to continue claiming that as our belief system. Oh, yeah. And when you have a society that is steeped in this religious tradition and they go to make laws, as much as they want to say that they're separating church and state, as much as they want to say, like, oh, we're coming up with these, like, on our own volition. Like, no, you're not. No, You're because, gleaning like, them from the laws of the Bible. Because those are where your most of these people's morals come from. Exactly. Some because type that's, of religious that's how you code. grow up. And that makes sense. Like, it is just human nature. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to shame this aspect of, of, you know, the, the fact that our laws have been um, engrossed in religion, engrossed in religion, because I mean, what, what else were we going to do? Well, we also need to take a step normal part. Yeah. I think that's part of being like a normal human being, but I think it's one thing to have that moral for yourself, but another thing to create a law that subjugates millions of people Mm -hmm. to that religious moral conviction when other people might not believe that that's the case. Yeah. And so that's why it's important to separate those things and not just be selfish and think about what you and what your God would want, but also what the general person who doesn't believe in God or believes in a different God or believes in different things from you. Yeah. You know, those that needs to be understood just as much as your own morals do. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and I think that that has a lot to do with um, personal selfishness. Mm. Well, not just selfishness, but comfort, I'd say. Because a lot of people aren't actively trying to be selfish when they approach the subject of morality. I think a lot of people are just so uncomfortable with seeing a point of view that is different from their own. Not even uncomfortable. And especially when it's tied with religion. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't even just say uncomfortable, but that they think that they're being um, righteous. Yeah. Um, They think they're doing a very good thing. Because they're exposing these... these, infidels to you know religion even though that's a lot not, of fine people <laughs> yeah even though that's not what they claim to be truth and yeah. and that's not okay like that's what we did with the native americans like that's mm. what we've done with million that's what millions of cultures and people have done with you know their enemies this is what a, millions and millions of people have died because of yeah because of this like righteous feeling of like spreading the word spreading the word because remember the europeans came over and like justified the killing of over like a hundred million hundred million native americans because it was manifest destiny because the same god that we're talking about in this story said it's cool bro yeah, and, and then later on tried to assimilate them into their own culture. As and if the murder was not... Enough. Enough, yeah. Yeah, and then we had, like, the haircutting and the normalized the clothing and then uh, so making demeaning. them, you know, all in the name of giving them, like, the, putting them on the correct path of 
our Christian God. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like, I feel like most Christians in, um, America would absolutely be like appalled by the idea of, I don't know, let's say, um, let's let's practice Islam coming in and making all of the women wear burqas. Well, that's actually like a typical conservative kind of fear (laughs) that that's what Islamic people (laughs) want anyway. Um, and I'm not well, exactly. That's why I bring it up because like people are so afraid of it, but it's like, we did that shit. Like Christianity justified that shit. Right. And I'm not, you know, and of course there's like religious extremists out there that do Uh think that that's okay. But also like generally I think that most people are doing it in their subdued, like instead of taking the steps of, you know, we're going to do like what the Europeans did or we're going to kill people because they don't want to assimilate into our religion or whatnot. Like obviously most people are not doing it on their day-to-day basis. Yeah, we're not thinking about that. But they do it in like a lighter version Mm. that's not deemed as being illegal at least in this country um by by subjugating other people to laws that are based around their morals Mm -hmm. or entering into neighborhoods that are like different from theirs and and calling it evangelism calling it evangelism (laughs) god and like bringing in like vbs vans and teaching their children just because those people are like marginalized and like really wouldn't like a break from their kids. And they're taking advantage of the fact that like they need this day to work. And also like that a lot of VBS, you know, they feed them and give them like clothing and give them like acts, like Mm playtime, like moderated Mm playtime. So yeah, like if I was a parent that had like, that was poor and that had like way too many kids than I can handle. Mm -hmm. And amongst other things, like, yeah, I'd give my kid over to VBS. Like, yeah, just take them for the day so I can have like some me time. (laughs) Like an hour. (laughs) like an hour peace and quiet god yeah and i i think i think the thing that i have the most problem with is you know like i think most people who are practicing christianity they're good people and they have good intentions and they don't they don't want um anybody to hurt that's why they practice christianity because jesus stands for such beautiful values but we have this tendency to gloss over, like, if you are going to accept Christianity in that regard, you also have to, like I said, like, advocate just as strongly against some of the very bad things that Christianity has done in this country and in the world. Yeah, it's kind of like how uh, Jordan said in our last episode, Mm. you can't claim to be a Christian and stand for what Jesus wanted if you are going to continue being racist. Exactly. And I, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I understand Oof. why it's hard for a lot of people to be able to separate their morals from, like, the poles. Mm-hmm. But also, like, you subjugating, especially people that are just convicted in another faith mm-hmm. or convicted in not having a faith at all, that could be just as painful as somebody pulling pushing their morals onto you that mm-hmm. you don't have conviction in. Yeah. And that's you know, and that's important. That's why it's important to think about other people, especially when you vote, when you think of ways that you think society should be lived and how you interact with other people. Um and that's why it's important to be compassionate for others as well. And also just acknowledging like my life is not the reality of other people and like my pain is different from other people's pain but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't like look at everybody's pain and try to figure out what the best solution is for everybody right and also that like maybe that their reason for believing what they do Mm -hmm. is comforting to them same way that what you or what i believe is comforting to me yeah and to take that away from them is taking their rights away. Yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> so uh, I didn't know we were going to get this far into a VeggieTales episode about Esther. Yeah, we thought that this was going to be light, but I yeah, think that did. it turned to be a little bit more hardcore. But uh, Well, I mean, it is it is a hard topic. And I think... And it deserves to be talked about. It, do, it does deserve to be talked about. And I think that is 
part of the issue that, like I said before, that I take with VeggieTales and things like this because it glosses over some of the hard truths that we, we are neglecting to tell. Yeah, and that people as Christians need to face as well. Mm-hmm. And not only just glossing them over, but also turning them into children's stories. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I said earlier, like, if you want to continue telling this story to modern people, you need to accept that things in the Bible, whether justified or written off as being good, are things that you need to contemplate and think about and then give modern views on Mm -hmm. and explain that to children and explain that to elder elder people too that Mm -hmm. you know not everything written in this book is good i think a lot of people avoid approaching um like older people about these issues because they feel like oh yeah you know they've they're just set in their ways they're not going to do that much more damage before you know i don't know they die or something (laughs) but like let me tell you let me tell you like i've seen um not going to name names but i've seen elderly people in the church do some pretty fucked up shit and right. say some very awful things to people that I love and care about just because they feel like it's justified. And nobody's going to call them out on it because they're like, oh. Right. And this is why certain, <laughs> you know, atrocities end up happening, like with what happened with, you know, Catholic priests and boys mm-hmm. and nuns and children and other, you know, other other things that have happened in the name of religion that have just been glossed over because either A, somebody's afraid to step on toes mm-hmm. or feels like they don't you know, have the right to say something because they don't know everything that's going on. But I'm telling you that if you claim to be a religious person or especially a Christian or whatever, that is your duty of being a good person. Exactly. And that should be your duty until the day that you die or like do not have any like consciousness anymore. Because like just because you are older does not mean you cannot like quit or that that doesn't mean you should just stop learning or just stop trying right and and that's why you know that's why racism still exists that's why like so many of the things that we're still dealing with right now are such a strong problem because we're not calling out people when they are behaving badly right just out of deference for their age or something like i'm sorry that's bullshit right and uh I figured this would be a good ending point, but uh, you have to be like Esther in the Veggie Tales. Um, never be afraid to say it if it's right. <laughs> they they use they use a cute little example in the Veggie Tales of like, well, my friend stole an apple and I should have told her that it was wrong. And Mordecai's like, you need to always stand up for what's right. So if you even friend, if it's hard, <laughs> if your friend's stealing an apple from the grocery store. I don't know. In that case, I feel like if they're stealing an apple, they probably need it. Like, they're hungry. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no. Stand up for what's right. Like Esther. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Perhaps. I guess. Hopefully you don't have to go through marital rape to get there. But. But still, try to do hard things and try to do things because. Challenge yourself. Yeah. Be brave. Like, I think that's what a lot of it comes down to is people are so scared to challenge their own opinions because they're scared of being wrong. And I understand that fear. It's a very hard fear to get past. But that's also why we're sitting here recording this. Exactly. Um, Because, you know... I've been wrong in the past, for I'm, sure. I'm so wrong. I'm wrong now. <laughs> My existence is wrong. <laughs> oh. I'm kidding. I mean, like, we all make mistakes every day. And I think... To put it off and just say, oh, well, I'm forgiven, isn't enough. Like, you do have to go in and change your behavior after that. And that is a very important thing to stand up for. Be brave. Yeah. Be like brave. Esther. Yep. Be brave like Esther. Mm-hmm. And right. also sing pretty. Yeah. God. <laughs> well, all right. I think that, you know, that about wraps up this installment. Yep. But uh, thank you for listening to this. Um, If you have any suggestions or ideas for what we should talk about next, Mm -hmm. slide into our DMs on our our Instagram account. Slide right in there. 
Um, or like email slip and slide. <laughs> that Samsung spin cycle sloppy, sloppy toppy. Um, our Instagram account is religion made me do it on Instagram, or you can send us a quick email at our Gmail, religion made me do it at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so please send us your ideas. Uh, follow us uh, at Bruna Ferris Wheel on Instagram. And Raquel Blackwood, spelled like Raquel. Makes it easier. Yeah. (laughs) Raquel. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening today, wherever, if it's day, it might be night, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Thanks for, you know, sticking around. Yeah. With like the slurping noises and the the bad sing-songy voice at the beginning of like the first four episodes. Um, God, yeah. We're going to, we're going to not do that because that's. Yeah. That was kind of painful. Yeah. It's not okay. (laughs) Well, yeah. So if you. Have any questions or concerns? Send Criticism. Us yeah. Yell at us. If you want to roast us. Please do. I love being roasted. <laughs> I'm sensitive. <laughs> okay, maybe don't roast Brenna, but feel free to roast me. <laughs> roast Brian. I'm don't kidding. roast Brian. I'm kidding. Brian works He's really precious. hard for us. He works so hard. Thank you so much, Brian, for yeah. everything that you do. He works very hard for us. <laughs> He's a stellar guy. Stellar. All right. Well, thank you. This was uh, Religion Made Me Do It. Peace. Bye.